the deceiver. Give me what is mine. The lie. There are three main areas of deception that Satan uses to speak to the nature of mankind. Now, just to stop here for a moment and just to focus on this, it's very, very important to understand that Satan speaks to the nature of mankind. Satan has a voice whereby he speaks into your life. And the way that he speaks into your life is by using the senses that God has built into you and designed into your life to be able to hear and to receive frequencies from the realm of the Spirit. We're going to learn more about this when we get to uh, frequencies and start speaking very specifically on how these frequencies work and how they influence their lives. But it's very important to understand that Satan has a voice. And the way that he uses this ability to communicate to the nature of man is to use the senses that God has built into man, whereby man would be able to receive impulses or influences from the realm of the spirit. And some of these are, for instance, your visual ability to see things, that you can pick up certain things by sight. There is a visible communication, whether that communication happens from the spiritual realm, where you daydream about things, or whether it happens from the realm of reality where you look at a visual image that carries a message or a frequency communicating to your inner man. And one of the best ways to actually point this out to you is pornography. The frequencies carried within an image like that, that really in itself cannot speak, cannot communicate, It's just an image. It doesn't have a voice. It doesn't have any means of communicating with you other than the material that's printed on the paper. And yet by just looking at that image, there is a multitude of information communicated to your inner man. And there's a voice speaking to your inner man. And there's all sorts of messages conveyed to your inner man just by simply visually looking at that image. So this is really important to understand the principle that Satan has a voice and that he uses that voice daily to communicate to people. If you think about things like jealousy, you think about things like gossip, all of these things are the voices of evil that find their way into our lives and that end up communicating in us and through us where we become vehicles of those voices speaking to us and where we respond in a certain way because of the things, the impulses that we've received into our own life. Number one, he likes to tell you that you are satisfied with too little. This is one of the main things that the devil likes to do is to tell you that there is more than God has got in store for you. The second thing he likes to do is to tell you that you are a failure. So these are different avenues of voices. The first avenue is that you are told that there's more than you can have. In other words, God is holding out on you. Secondly, 
the other avenue he uses is to tell you that you are a failure. You're a no good. You'll never be anything or anybody in life. If that fails, he'll change his strategy and tell you that you are the best. So, at the end of the day, you know, if he's not going to tell you that you've got too little going for you, he'll try and tell you that you're a failure. And if that doesn't work, he'll tell you that you're an absolute success. Pride and all of these things will start living in your heart. There's an old saying that says, if the devil can't put you under, he'll put you over. So if he can't destroy you or find a way to destroy you by making you less, he will put you over. He'll make you more than who you are in your own eyes and cause you to become a god unto yourself. Do you remember how he attempted to tempt Jesus using this very same strategy? Jesus already had everything he offered to give him, although he did not possess it yet. In staying true to God's plan and destiny for him, he would be exalted as the king over all kings and kingdoms, yet Satan tried to tempt him to have it all now, and to do what Cain did, to sell his eternal birthright for immediate gratification. Matthew 4 verse 8 to 9, scripture reading. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. He begins showing you what you do not have and closes your eyes to what you have. He shows you how poorly you are doing compared to what you could be doing. By the time he gets done with you, your life looks pretty pale. Is that not true? Has it not also happened to you? Have you also been tempted to step out of the life of God? Have you also been tempted to step out of the life God has led you to live, to live it up in the world? Has he also tried to frustrate you in showing you how much more you could have and could be if you only made some changes to God's original program for you? Well, then I guess that he's still up to his old tricks. It worked for Eve and Adam, so why won't it work for you also? It is interesting to note that Satan did not approach Adam, but Eve and left the convincing work for Eve to win Adam over. Why did he do that? Because he knew what had been drawn out of Adam and formed into Eve. He knew that emotion had been taken from Adam and formed into Eve. He knew that Adam was all about logic and reason. So instead of attempting to reason with Adam, he chose a far easier option. He would play on Eve's emotions. He would sell her a dream, a feeling, a sensation that would speak to her emotionally and knowing that she was built to respond to her heart, she would be a far easier target than Adam. No offense intended here, ladies. We love you and appreciate you as God's marvelous creations. It is however worthy to take notice of, especially when you are a woman positioned next to a man 
whom God has commissioned with a unique purpose and destiny. You will always find him attacking you as the woman first. And the attack comes as the most wonderful dream that seems so plausible and possible to achieve if your husband was just doing something else beside what God called him to do. His first strategy is to get you dreaming. The second is to get you frustrated about not being able to achieve that dream. The third is to use you to attempt to win your husband over or else to leave him to find that dream. Whatever will cause him to lose focus and disrupt him in accomplishing his mission will suffice. I hope this will help a wife who may be frustrated right now and who may be contemplating to make the biggest mistake of her life. That it will open her eyes to discern Satan's deceptive lies. I encourage you to hold on tightly to what you have and to celebrate your God-fearing and spiritual husband as never before. Satan's dreams always ends in a nightmare for some, like Eve, too late to realize. When Eve fell for the lie and ate the fruit, her eyes were opened, and so it was with Adam also. What were their eyes open to? They suddenly awakened to self-awareness. Whereas before they were only aware of the glory of God, they found themselves in a lower realm of existence where it seemed difficult for them to communicate with God. When they heard His voice walking in the garden, they hid from Him in shame and fear. They were no longer on His frequency. Somehow the dial had shifted. They could still hear Him speaking, but the effect upon His voice they experienced within themselves was different. They were no longer at home in the realm of His atmosphere and His presence. They now had entered into another realm where they could no longer enjoy His presence. From that time onwards, Adam and Eve had entered the lower frequency of the carnal world, an atmosphere that was ruled by Satan. They had fallen from the glory of God to become human, something they were never created to experience. What happened in the Garden of Eden? What did Satan convince Eve of? That God was holding out on them. That they could be more than what he selfishly wanted to keep for himself and deny them from having. What does he do today? He's still trying to convince people that their father is holding out on them. Prodigal sons in a prodigal world. What happened with the prodigal son in the parable? Exactly the same as with man in the garden. What was he told? That he could be more and have more. When living it up with his friends, he was the best. When it was all gone, what was he told then? That he was the worst. A complete failure at life and no good nobody good enough to tend the pigs and eat with them 
and no more. This is Satan working at his best. First he comes to steal your life away, then to kill you with kindness as you enjoy the pride of life, only to set you up for a fall leading to your destruction. The great deception of the deceiver is to lure man away from his God-given predestined identity, believing the lie that there is more than God's best for his life, that there is more than the Father's presence and being seated at his table in our lives, that we can be more and become gods in our own right, taking charge over our own lives and creating a destiny for ourselves. He wants us to believe that we can make ourselves far more than what God has chosen for our lives to become. Do you remember what the father told the brother of the son that returned when he questioned why a fatted calf was never slaughtered for him? Luke 15, 28-31, scripture reading. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him, But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, came home, you killed the fatted calf for him. As I previously noted, Satan's dream soon turns into a nightmare. Once the prodigal had left his father's house, he was in trouble. He did not realize it straight away, but he eventually came to experience the total sum of what Satan had intended for him, which was not only to ruin his entire destiny and life, but also to lure him. You see, Both these sons, according to the words of the father, had everything that belonged to him. They were partakers in everything the father had. And yet Satan was able to convince the younger of these two brothers that the father was holding out on him. That he could have more than what the father intended for him to have. In life, he already had everything. He had what the father had. And yet, he was convinced that he could have more. That the father was actually keeping from him what rightfully was his to have. This is the strategy that Satan uses in our lives. In Christ, we already possess all things. We have access to all things. And yet he comes and lures us away to make us believe that there is more for us than what God would allow us to experience and to enjoy in this life. For Adam and mankind, the outlook of living life in the lower realm of the carnal world did not look much better than what it did to the prodigal son. He ended up with a pig. He smelled like a pig, lived like a pig, made his home with the pigs, and he saw himself as a pig, being willing 
to fill his stomach with the pods they were feasting on. Eve suffered in childbearing, and Adam suffered at the sweat of his brow to make a living. Soon, one of his sons would kill the other. Life began taking a downward spiral for them. They had surely fallen from the glory and the abundant life they once knew.